One, two, three. Whoop! And there you go. Boys and girls, this is Adam of Low Cut Connie, and right now you are listening to my good pal, Matt O'Donnell on the True Philadelphia podcast. You know why? Because you're smart, you got good taste, and I love you very much. Let's go. Hey everyone, I'm Matt O'Donnell, and thanks as always for joining us on the True Philadelphia Podcast. I'm here in my personal drum studio, some albums on the walls, it's a very modest place. I just finished a conversation with Adam Weiner from the great rock and boogie band from South Philadelphia called Low Cut Connie. They are releasing a new album called Private Lies. We're going to play a song from that album after this podcast is over. During the conversation, Adam talks about how the music industry has been impacted by the pandemic, how he's adapted and been able to grow his audience. He also talks about some of his physical injuries he's endured over the years from playing all that live music and some of the mental struggles he's personally had, which I think is a very important conversation for a lot of people who have also had their own struggles during this pandemic. So Adam Weiner, then after that, helped me, the song from Private Lies, the new album, here he is from Low Cut Connie. Are you ready to do this? I'm always ready. Adam Weiner, the hardest working man in show business, Philadelphia's ultimate boogie master. Thanks for rejoining us on the True Philadelphia podcast. It's my pleasure. I love the True Philadelphia podcast. And uh, I love talking about Philly. I love talking about Philly rock and roll, Philly soul. And um, just because you and I can't get together physically and do this interview doesn't mean that we can't do this virtually and hopefully entertain some of your viewers and listeners. I think we're going to do that. So I'm in my basement. This is my air quotes studio. It's not much. It's basically the basement with a drum set in it. Where are you at right now, Adam? This is my spare bedroom which over the last seven months has become the uh, taping room for my live stream series known as Tough Cookies. This is my piano. I don't know if you can see. And basically this room used to be nice. It used to be nice and neat. And uh, when I used to tour 200 days a year, and perform all over the world. And then I'd come home and I'd sit in this room and just do yoga and read. And it was just my clean, nice, neat, chill room. And now I perform a rock and roll show in this little room twice a week for the last seven months. I've done 52 concerts and performances. And so my neighbors can't stand me. I was gonna ask you about that. It must be noisy. Yeah, we make a lot of noise. And uh, just because we're at home, we don't hold back. You know, like it's, it's full tilt boogie, as they say. And uh, we've got, um, I don't know if you can see uh, drum pieces and, and guitars and uh, all kinds of stuff. And basically, like, We've taken this tiny little room and turned it into Madison Square Garden. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about your new album. It's coming out in October of 2020, Private Lives. 
But I first want to jump off on what you're talking about right now. So you and I have been talking during the pandemic and early on, I mean, it was it was really despondent just generally, but also for musicians. You couldn't go out and tour. Loka Kani is a band that just thrives off of its live music. And what you did was recreate this whole situation inside, as you say, your house in South Philadelphia. And it, it really has taken off. The fans love you. You've labeled it Tough Cookies. You've it, it's gained you international stardom. And so uh, Tough Cookies. Uh bracelet right here i don't know if yeah. you can see it wards off vampires too well i i i made this bracelet or one of our fans made it for all of our viewers because you know matt like i named the show tough cookies after the people that watch the show right because a lot of our viewers and we have viewers from all over the world we've had over 40 countries tuning in we have people in uh, Australia and Japan who get up at six, seven in the morning to watch it. It's Saturday night here in Philly, but it's Sunday morning over there. We have people in Argentina and Germany and Oslo and South Africa and Nigeria. It's, it's unbelievable, but they're all associating what we do with South Philly, right? There, in fact, they'll say, um, we can't wait to one day come to Philadelphia and meet you or meet, see all the places that you write about in your songs and that you talk about in your shows. But my point here, Matt, is that there are people all over this world who are facing um, difficult times right now. There are people who have lost loved ones. They have lost jobs. They have lost hope. And um, I have made it my personal mission to keep people's spirits lifted and to remind people that they're tougher than they know and um, that they can get through these times, that art and music can help them do so. And uh, I call my viewers tough cookies. I want them to know they're tough and they're sweet. They're compassionate. They care about each other. We all care about each other. And so the first thing they, we did, they, they were asking, can we have something, can we make something that makes us feel, remind us how strong we are? So one of our fans, who's a metal worker, made these uh, tough cookie bangles and they're copper and you just you put it on and you feel strong so we're all just sort of like trying to figure out one day at a time how to how to produce entertainment like you're doing in your basement but uh you can never replace the simple the simple fact of rock and roll art live music can make people feel better. It can lift people's spirits. So I, I can see how it's so inspiring for people. And I love how you've been able to create a closeness with those, even just through the internet. But I'm wondering, I mean, you've seen great success with it, not only just building your fan base, but also gaining some revenue. What have you learned about what the future might bring for the music business? And can you see forward from what you're doing and what maybe other acts will be doing next year and years beyond? 
Who knows? But one thing I can tell you for sure that there's no question in my mind is that live streaming is going to be a very big part of the future of live entertainment. Here's why. Okay, so a lot of us uh, have been focused on what we've been losing. And I understand that because it's hard when an entire industry crumbles, right? The entire live music touring industry crumbled this year. Um, a lot of people lost their jobs and it's been very devastating. But let's focus for one minute on what we gain with live streaming. I sit here in my house, in my bedroom, and I get into my underwear and I play, I play Little Richard songs and I have people in Ecuador watching. I have people in uh, Armenia watching. I have, we've had people in Afghanistan, Lebanon. I mean, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. When's the next time I'm gonna go on tour to Lebanon or Ecuador? <laughs> I can't even go on tour to New York City. So first of all, as, a, as an entertainer, the fact that I can reach people, thousands and thousands of people around the world with a live streaming platform, number one, that opened my eyes artistically, right? Two, you know, this new medium of live streaming offers us an interactivity that is unique. For instance, I say to you, Matt, Yo, Matt, you're in, you're in Philly. Repeat after me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I say that. And thousands of people around the world say yes at the same time. But also they type the word yes. And so all of a sudden you see hundreds of yeses in the feed. And you see we, right, in, from France. And you see all the different translations of yes from around the world. And then people comment on each other. Oh, Dublin, Ireland. I was there last summer. Where do you live? Oh, I didn't realize I live in Topeka, Kansas. I didn't know I had a friend who also likes this music. So there's this whole interactivity part. I say to people, um, like I do this, this thing on the show called A Bridge Too Far. And it's a, it's a comedic portion of the show where just when I've gotten to a point in the show where we're kind of nailing it, being very impressive, and everybody seems to be enjoying themselves, I throw a curveball and I do a song that might be too cheesy, just like too far over the line, you know? Like, What is Love by Hathaway? Love it or hate it? Is it a bridge too far or is it not? And we take a poll and everybody argues, yes, it's a bridge too far. I can't believe you're performing that song. You should be embarrassed with yourself. Or no, I always liked this song and I was afraid to say it. And we get this, this discussion going. Also, Matt, at the beginning of the show, I, I ask people a very simple question. I say to them, how are you feeling right now? How are you feeling right now? And I tell them, be honest. And people say, I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling crazy, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling excited, I'm feeling sad. They say it, right? We get it out. We, we read the comments, people respond to each other. Somebody says, you know what? I just lost a very good friend of mine and people offer their condolences. Somebody says, you know what? My daughter just had a baby and people offer their congratulations. And I integrate that into the performance. 
And all of a sudden we have kind of like a real legitimate back and forth hang going that's reflecting people's mood. And then I say, okay, give me one hour of your time to change your frame of mind. Meaning you've shown up to the show or to the gathering stressed or whatever you are, and we've acknowledged it, we offer support, and now let's get crazy. Let's blow off some steam. Maybe after an hour, you will feel better. And we sing together, we go crazy together. And um, I try in my own little way to lift people's spirits in that one hour time frame. Private Lives. Let's open this up, talk about the album. Do you have a copy back there by any chance? Yeah, I do. I just got these. So a lot of songs have been released already. And Stop, Matt. Ready? Okay. Uh-oh. It's a fold gate. Your hair is pretty long. It was. <laughs> I used to love opening up CDs and albums and seeing what, what's in them, and that's a real throwback. I, I like that. I received your, your press uh, from Joe Civic, uh, who does press for Low Cut Connie, and what really struck me in the email was this. I'm going to just read it verbatim, and this is, I think, making you like a human being to all your fans. It said that you spent three years working on this, writing, recording, and that you, here's the quote, weathered what was perhaps the most tumultuous stretch of your life, facing down a dangerous mental health crisis and multiple injuries. Let's start off with the, the physical aspects, and then if you could go into the mental aspects, what have you been dealing with over the past three years? Sure. Well, thanks for asking. Um, I generally, for the last number of years, I travel over 200 days a year uh, performing. Uh, I have done no less than 100 to 150 shows a year for a bunch of years. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the physical toll of being a performer is pretty great. Um, it's kind of like being a professional athlete, right? Um, especially as the music grows and the stages get bigger and the audiences get bigger. And my desire to please every single person in the audience is, is still as strong as it ever was. But if there's 8,000 people there rather than 80 people, uh, and uh, th then I just feel like I have to work even harder, you know? I'm sort of like what, what I like to call a short order cook, right? <laughs> what do you need? 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 Right? And um, over the years, because I've been doing this a number of of years you know there's just a physical toll and there's a level of um there's a level of energy physical energy and just physical fitness uh and resilience that i need to have but i don't always have so i have had numerous herniated discs uh, i shattered my ankle last year uh, i had a torn rotator cuff <laughs> Um, I've had a sacroiliac injury, uh, that comes and goes. I've had, I have a lot, uh, I had an ulcer, uh, that was diagnosed three years ago when I got off tour and it's kind of come and gone. 
And I don't talk about these things very often, um, but uh, you know, you give your body, you give your body to your art. And the difference, I said it's like being a professional athlete and I have a lot of friends uh, who are professional athletes and we compare notes on these things. But you know what the difference between what I do and being a boxer or a baseball player, a football player, is when they hit 40, they stop and they coach. <laughs> For me, this is a life sentence. This is a life sentence. Um, I look at Mick Jagger. I look at Bruce Springsteen. Uh, I look at uh, Tina Turner. I look at uh, people. Tony Bennett is 93 or 94, and he's still performing. I, I want to do this as long as I can. And so I'm now having to adjust and sort of retrain my body as to how to do this physically as I go into my 40s. And um, I'm up to the task, but I'm not going to lie. There are days, like I did an entire tour of Europe last year, five weeks, um, with a lot going on. But one of the things going on was a shattered ankle with, and an and a, and a, uh, Achilles injury. And I continued, I couldn't go see a doctor because I was in Europe, right? I, I did it to my ankle on the first night of the tour. And then we had to do four or five countries and 20 something shows. And there's not a lot of sleep and the food is terrible, <laughs> especially in England. Um, <laughs> but um, I just had to make it through the tour and I was jumping and running, but I was doing it all on one foot. Wow, that's that's a lot, and and I know uh, I hope no one out there thinks these are complaints. Like this is just part of the business, and you're just sharing, you know, this. And and I I think I opened into this by saying that you know this brings a, a real human element to you and your persona, Adam. Talk about some of the mental struggles that you've endured because that's a huge deal right now. I think a lot of people don't admit how depressed they have been getting during this pandemic. And it helps them to hear other people and their own struggles. So if you could share whatever you can with some of the things that have been going on in your head that, that really were causing problems with you. Absolutely. Thanks for asking. I mean, it's recent. And this is one of the things I like about doing these um, Tough Cookies live stream shows, because it's not just a concert. It's like a, I call it a soul music variety show. So I, I talk to the audience, right? And we talk about what's going on. I interview other people. And I never, I don't talk very much during Low Cut Connie shows, like the, the, the band shows. It's kind of like all action all the time. There's not a lot of talking. But um, so it has been interesting um, speaking to people and hearing about their struggles and hearing about people's mental health struggles kind of made me feel like maybe it would be okay for me to share a bit of mine, right? A little bit. But basically, I have struggled with depression for most of my adult life, even back to when I was a kid. And uh, it's just sort of like always been a thing that's in the passenger seat with me. And you just have to sort of learn how to control it and deal with it. Um, but I had a terrible situation uh, where things sort of hit, hit bottom last year when I was put, I was put on a medication uh, an antidepressant that I had a terrible, terrible reaction to. 
and I experienced this thing that most people don't know about called serotonin syndrome, uh, where I basically, for about four or five weeks, um, I was almost completely incapacitated. It was, I could barely tie my shoes. I could barely um, take a shower. I couldn't drive. And I was desperately depressed. And um, then on the other side of that, um, getting off of that medication created this other crisis, which was then I got this anxiety uh, crisis afterwards, which was I couldn't sleep and I was completely agitated and just couldn't eat right and um, felt like I couldn't be alone. But you know what? So firstly, I'm on the other side of this crisis, firstly. Um, I'm very well managed now. I do uh, speak to a therapist all the time. I have a psychiatrist. I'm on the right medication. I'm well managed. So I will say that to anybody watching right now, if you're going through it, keep trying, keep, keep working uh, towards a better situation for yourself. Because if one medication doesn't work, maybe another does. If, if yoga doesn't work, maybe running does. Uh, there's so much that we can do. There's always more that we can do for ourselves, right? Um, I will say, though, the thing that really got me through that crisis and all my mental health crises through my whole life is performing. Art has been a uh, lifeline for me. When I was young and I was terribly bullied in school, I was one of those shy kids that um, didn't have a ton of friends and uh, my last name was Wiener. That didn't help. <laughs> Not just Wiener, but a Wiener, right? So there's that. I had this eye disease, so my eyes were crossed and I, I took dance lessons and uh, you know, just like there were so many things, there were so many points of entry for mean kids to bully me. Uh, but you know what happened is when I was in my young teens, I started going in the summer to this place called Apple Farm, which is an arts and music camp in New Jersey. I do a lot of fundraising for them now because it really was a lifeline for me. Uh, I truly believe that art and music saved my life and continues to do so. And I've seen it do the same for other people. Just being around other artistic minded people, uh, people from different countries, people from different walks of life who had similar struggles, but who uh, found a way to channel their struggles through photography, theater, dance, music, rock and roll, heavy metal, whatever it is, um, it showed me a way to turn stress and adversity into rocket fuel, right? And I've done that my whole life. I've tr always tried to find ways to turn difficult situations into art and into rocket fuel, something to move me forward. And it's really, Matt, the reason that I love as hard as this pandemic has been, as hard as this time has been for so many people, I'm so enjoying doing these broadcasts and having these conversations 
because it's a time where I can share a little bit of what I've gone through and maybe inspire other people to try and take their struggles, their depression, their doubt, uh, and turn it into forward motion, right? And I think during this time, uh, we all know, we all have family and friends around us who, have, who are struggling. Like no person in the world right now is totally insulated from struggle. We all, if whether it's us or people around us, we all know somebody who's struggling mentally. And hopefully that will give us more of an ability to discuss it and, and, and inspire and support each other like we're doing right now. I, I appreciate you sharing that, Adam. It's really brave of you. I'm being completely honest. Thank you. Um, let's, let's, let's talk about the album, Private Lies. Several singles have been released. Uh, it's great stuff. Really excited, again, about the album coming out. Um, the thing that really gets me with your music, especially with the new stuff, is that if someone played it for me and I didn't know who the band was, I didn't know you or anything, it would be hard for me to identify which decade the music was recorded in. So react off of that and, and just tell us what is the intention of this album musically and lyrically? Yeah, well, it's funny. I've been, a lot of the years that I've been making music, I always get that word retro attached to me and I don't mind it, but then all of a sudden I'll be kind of like cool for a minute and then I'll go back to being retro again. <laughs> and <laughs> I think I think that it's it's funny to me. It's fine. Um, I do, you know, I, I am an old soul. And when I was a kid, I was an old soul. I always liked old music and old movies and old photography and old books. The funny thing is, I do also listen and watch and read a lot of new things too. It's just I came up from from absorbing a lot of old art, right? So when it comes to music, um, I'm very well steeped in, you know, old rhythm and blues and soul and rock and roll and country blues. And uh, that's the music that got in my bloodstream early. And so that is sort of my point of departure. So when I record music, I definitely do so from a position of uh, classic. I wouldn't necessarily use the word retro for myself. I don't emulate anything specific. I don't try to intentionally make something sound old. But I'm also not a fad chaser who's trying to make something sound cutting edge either. Not, not, not that there's anything wrong with that. We need progressive uh, art. I just, what I try to do is I try to make timeless songs. I try to make classic performances and classic songs. And because of that, and I don't always hit the mark, but uh, because of that, I often am called throwback or retro, um, which I am, I'm fine, it's, I'm fine with it. Uh, if people wanna call what I do rock and roll, soul, rhythm and blues, rock, pop, I'm, f I'm down. I call it authentic music. And I think the most refresh, I mean, it's warm. It brings me warmth to hear it, but I think it, it's real instruments. 
and it's real music and it's not laid into a computer and it's authentic. Thank you. I mean, I, I, I was reading this piece about Louis Armstrong, Satchmo, and people call him the father of jazz. Uh, and I do believe he was one of, if not the most important musicians of the 20th century. Uh, he, he said that he never heard the word jazz until he was already famous, right? Like he had been playing this music since he was a child and became region, locally famous, regionally famous, nationally famous, and internationally famous. And then he started to hear the word jazz. And he said, you know, I'll, I'll be the father of jazz if you want me to, but I don't really know exactly what jazz is. And he made a very important statement. He said, to me, there's only two kinds of music, good and bad. <laughs> and good music is the type that you can tap your foot to. That's what he said, you tap your foot to it. Essentially, you could say the same thing. You know, there's good and there's bad, but good, good art reaches your heart, right? And it has a sort of timeless, visceral quality to it, whether whatever the genre is. And so, um, I do try to, as I say, go straight to people's heart, uh, whether it's a piano ballad or a crazy rock and roll song or just some, just whatever it is, totally something totally off the rails or something very precise. Um, the main thing is I want to kind of in a visceral way reach people um, and, and, and make them feel immersed in the music. If that's retro, I'll be retro. <laughs> I don't think you have much free time on your hands, but have you picked up any hobbies or are you doing anything different since the pandemic began? Well, yeah, I, I'm used to traveling two thirds of the year and now I'm home. And uh, I'd like to tell you that I'm gardening and becoming a chef, but <laughs> anybody that knows me knows that that ain't the case. Um, I am definitely not necessarily a homebody. So my, I, I'm wishing that I could get out there and travel. But uh, one of the things that I, that I do is I, I go to the park every morning. And I do aerobics uh, with the moms and dads that are taking their kids to, to on the swings and stuff, you know. No kidding. And uh, I'm I'm over there with my little jogging suit, <laughs> you know, doing jumping jacks and aerobics, and I wave and stuff to the see the same moms and dads every day and and whatever. And it's it's uh, replacing my the aerobic workout that I would get in a hotel gym. Uh, or with the 90 minute plus show that I would do on stage like five or six days a week. So I'm sort of like training, uh, instead of like being on stage every night, I'm out there outside every morning <laughs> working out. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I did. Uh, and I also, I bought roller skates. You never roller skated before? Not since I'm about 11. So I guess this is my midlife crisis coming along, you know. Quick story. So I used to go on roller skating afternoons when I was in, I don't know, elementary school. And they had this big TV screen. It was like huge for the times. Like, wow, this is an enormous TV that they would play and we'd roller skate around inside this thing. And that's where I saw the Beat It video for the first time. 
that's like an ingrained memory. And I didn't even know who it was. I'm like, what? I, I remember off the wall, and I didn't connect like this is the same guy, Michael Jackson, who's, who did the same music. And I just popped in my head. I mean, I remember, uh, I mean, like you, I mean, I grew up with MTV and um, seeing uh, the Thriller video. And then one of my earliest memories is seeing the When Doves Cry video, Prince. Yeah. I also remember Bruce Springsteen, Born in the U.S., the Dancing in the Dark video. Yeah. These videos and Madonna, of course, they were like my first memories of, of television, you know. And um, I, uh, that's why I think I love making music videos so much. It's because I grew up in that era. Yeah. You talk to low cut county fans all the time. Do any of them ask you this question? And this is super open ended. Are we going to be okay? <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, people do ask that. Um, I don't uh, purport to have answers to anybody's questions about anything. Um, and I, I think that art as somebody that just makes songs and performances and videos uh, all day, I, I roll around in questions, not answers, right? Like art, art uh, makes you look at the world with a, with, a, with a new lens, right? And it doesn't actually show you something finite, which is what an answer is, right? It's an alternative to the finite world that we have around us. So I don't have a concrete answer uh, to the question, will we be okay? But I would, I would point anybody backwards throughout history, through decades and centuries and millennia of struggle, um, we've always made it through. And I do believe that we, um, as challenging as times are now, I am somebody that believes that we can make our own fate, we can make our own luck, we can control our own destiny. And I believe that if we get busy and if we harness the magic of community and collaboration, uh, just there's a lot that we can do. I say that to people all the time. I've seen it happen in my life. I see other people around me doing it, uh, just using their brains, their best ideas, new ideas. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of um, viewers on the West Coast who watch my show, and we do, we do these meet and greets. And one of the families lost their home in the wildfires, and um, somebody else lost their business. And, uh, they're feeling so dejected and because they go through these fires every year and sometimes more than once a year. And they're, some of them, get re they're getting really dejected. Like, we don't even know if we should rebuild. or And uh, it's devastating. At the same time, you have to think that uh, we will figure out uh, a way uh, to make those areas safer, right? Like 
we, we are going to be forced to face up to those issues. We have to do it. We can't just accept it and move on. Um, we've done that throughout history. It's, the, it's human nature. Uh, so I, I don't have a concrete answer, but I will say that art and creativity will be a part of the solution. Our darkest moment is when we begin to see the light again, right? I believe that. I've experienced that. Yeah. Hey, uh, they're going to let me play the single Help Me at the end of this podcast. You want to talk about that song? Yeah, you know, um, it, it took me a lot of years to put that song together just because sometimes I write something and it's not finished. It's got to go back in the oven for a while. <laughs> and that particular song, I, as a very young man, I wrote a song uh, called Phenomena. And I thought it was special, but I also kind of knew that lyrically that I hadn't lived enough of a life yet to really speak uh, to what I wanted to speak to. So I put it back in the oven for about 15 years and then it popped out last year. <laughs> and when it came out, it was ready. That's a song I'm really proud of. Uh, I did that in one take. Um, I just opened my mouth and I spit out the words. And um, it may not be my, my most technically perfect vocal performance, but I was certainly speaking right from the heart. And I, ho I hope people can hear that on the song. You ever put a song back in the oven and almost burn the kitchen down? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, for every good one, there's a lot of bad ones. Uh, and sometimes something can definitely get overcooked. Uh, you know, when you're performing and when you're making music, you shouldn't be thinking too much. And so if you find, I find that if I end up in my head too much, then it's probably, it's, something's wrong with it. Maybe the song isn't that good. The album's called Private Lives. The guy's name is Adam Weiner from Low Cut Connie of South Philadelphia. Thanks for making great music, Adam. Thanks for being a voice of positivity throughout all this as well. Thank you, my friend. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I would tell you that I see your face every morning, but you know I'm not awake. <laughs> no, I'm not awake at that hour. You have to have a DVR in that house. Right. Um, but listen, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to all your viewers and listeners. Stay strong. Uh, it's difficult times, but I believe in you. I love this city so much. I love being part of Philadelphia. And uh, no matter what the challenges, we're going to get through it. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I hope to see you all soon. Thank you, Matt. Long live Adam and long live rock and roll. Here's Help Me. <laughs>
to ship it to the coast. 